It's already been a great service this morning. It's always a joy to have baptisms, and baptisms of children are especially exciting times. It's wonderful to realize that assuming these children continue in their profession of faith, we recognize that they'll be spared many of the hardships that, that come as consequences of sinful choices. We, we know they will not be sin-free. They, they will still struggle with sin, as we all do, but they also, because of, of Christ's work, as long as they remain committed in their faith, they'll, they'll avoid a lot of the messes that, that come with lives lived in rebellion against God's design. And for that reason, it's a joy to see young children make this kind of a profession, take this step. We know that their lives should be, be cleaner than the lives of many because they know Jesus as Savior. I'm sure that, that the parents that, that were here today for each of the child that, that was baptized, each of the children, they, they were excited to, to see their children follow the Lord in this step. I, I know the parents have been talking with their children for many years for that matter. I, recently, I know in each case they've been talking for a few months about baptism itself, ensuring that they understood what it meant. I am sure our parents were pleased to see their child make this step of, of faith, take this step. I'm sure they were also proud as well, appropriately so. I, they were proud. I, I'm sure that each of these parents recognized that their child taking this step, while ultimately they recognize as Christ's work that saved them, each of the parents rightly are proud that, that it reflects on their parenting. They, they are the ones that have been talking with their young people about faith. They're the ones that explain what Christ has done. They're the ones that have made sure that their children have been in church on a regular basis, listening to their Sunday school lessons and, and learning all, all the things they need to know. Parents are also the ones who have prayed with them and, and read the Bible with them and talked and, and all these things combined. So I'm sure that if the parents saw their children follow the Lord in this step, there was hearts filled with joy and appropriate pride. That this morning, as we turn to our series, return to the series that we're going through on developing genuine love, I want us to, to think about how these actions by, by these three children created that kind of uh, appropriate pride in their parents because it reflects positively on the parents. I want us to think about this connection because in a similar way, our actions reflect on our Savior. As I've stated repeatedly in, in the series we've been doing in our church here on developing genuine love, love is the distinguishing characteristic of a believer. Christians are to be known by their love. Christ has said that in, in, to his disciples, and since then it was repeated multiple times in the New Testament. Christians are to be known by their love. We are to be distinguished by love. That means we must get love right. We, we have to have it right. Christ, our Savior, has instructed us on how we ought to love one another. At the same time, we cannot simply do things and call them love and hope we have the real thing. Our love must be genuine. It must be what God calls love. It must match up to what Scripture has laid out as these are the elements of love. These are the characteristics. And, and to help us achieve that goal, Paul has given us a list of characteristics of love that we've been examining over several weeks. 
This list of characteristics is found in Romans chapter 12, and we've been going through it now for a few weeks, and in it we we see Paul identifying characteristics of genuine love. And, And as he identifies these characteristics, he's also encouraging us to develop these things that make up true love, genuine love, the love that, that God calls love. Our goal, as we go through the series, is to examine our lives, to look at ourselves, to evaluate our love against these characteristics that, that God has given. We want to ensure that our love is genuine. Unless we do that continually, our love may fall short. We're prone to, to slip back into our natural condition, which is self-love, not true love. True love is always others-focused. Turn with me, if you would, to Paul's list in, in Romans 12. He begins the characteristics of love in verse 9. So far, we've looked at the first few. Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. That's how far we've gone so far with our series. This morning, we're going to consider the, the next item on the list right after the fervent in spirit. Most likely, if you've had your Bibles open, your eyes already read it. It's just the natural result. This morning, we're going to look at the last part there, verse 11, serving the Lord. The next characteristic that Paul gives us of genuine love This non-hypocrisy type of love, the thing that is the real deal that that pleases God, that God says, this is love, it must have the characteristic of serving the Lord. As we consider this characteristic this morning, I want to to begin by by recognizing, first of all, that, that genuine love requires wholehearted devotion. It requires wholehearted devotion. That, that really is what the word serving means. In, in the English, the word serve doesn't necessarily have that strong of a sense about it. But the same is not true with the, the Greek word that Paul used when he wrote this characteristic. The, the word that Paul uses shows up 26 times in the New Testament. 22 of those times, it carries the idea of serving. So that's why we see it translated that way. It has the idea of serving, but, but it does or it gives us the idea by creating a picture in our mind at the same time. And the picture it creates is that of serving as a slave. In fact, the the Greek word is built on the word for slave. The other four times I said there's 26 uses, 22 times it means serving, while the other four times when this word's used in the New Testament, it has the idea of being a slave. The word literally means to be a slave. To serve as a slave. Now, to understand the significance of what Paul is saying here, think about the vast difference between I will serve myself in the buffet line or I will serve in the U.S. Army. Think about the difference between those two. Serving in the Army carries a much more significant commitment than than putting food on my plate in a buffet line. When when you serve in the Army, a, a soldier is told where to go and what to do. He's told when he can sleep. He's told when he can rise up. Much of what he does in life is dictated by others. He, he's always subject to the, the wishes of his commanding officers. By, by and large, they determine his life. By, by contrast, 
when I go through a, a buffet, my, my only real concern as I'm going through the line is, do I want chicken or beef? Do I want one scoop of potatoes or two? It's not the came, same kind of serving, is it? The slave's experience of service is much more like serving in the army. A slave is expected to fully serve his master. Anything less than wholehearted devotion is inadequate for a slave. Say a master and a slave travel for a whole day together. They, they come to the end of the day, they're, they're tired, they're weary, and the master turns to his slave and says, before tomorrow and we set out again, clean my shoes because they got dirty today. The slave does not have the, the privilege of responding with a complaint, saying, I'm tired. The slave must set his weariness aside and do his master's bidding. That's what makes him a worthy slave. His position as a slave requires him to respond that way. Well, that's the idea that Paul is conveying here with his word choice when he says, serving the Lord. When he uses this word serve, he's using a word that would produce this idea of a wholehearted devotion. Paul is saying that whatever we do, we must, must do it with wholehearted devotion. We cannot take shortcuts. We, we have to do the absolute best that we can at all times. We, we must put our full energy into our efforts. Take, for example, the, the School of Church Planting that is coming up this week. We're hosting the, this conference for Baptist Mid-Missions this week. Several of you will have church planters and, and missionaries in your home hosting them, caring for them this week. And I'm sure that also, just like last year, several of you will help with the lunches. Now, I remember last year that part of the lunches were the, the fixings for sandwiches, and, and I understand that's what they will be again this year. Is that right, Donna? Okay, I'm, I'm right on this. I've got my illustration correct. Now, I suppose we could provide the fixing for lunches by simply taking our lunch meat and dumping a pile onto a plate and, and it would get the job done. In fact, if I was in charge, that's probably what would happen, which is why I'm not in charge. Rather, last year, several ladies took the time to lay the lunch meat out in a nice fashion, arranging it, various kinds of lunch meat on a platter, and then added lettuce and, and tomatoes and other topping like that, cheese, and was all laid out in a very pretty fashion, much more appealing. It, it made a greater impression because it reflected devotion to, to serving to the attendees of the conference. That's really the idea of putting forth our best effort. Well, we've seen lots of things already from verse 9 through verse 11 here that, that genuine love requires. But we need to add to that list this idea of putting our best effort forward. If we're going to have genuine love, it must be a wholehearted devotion, a, a best effort kind of, of effort. That's the only kind of, of love that is the genuine, genuine thing. For our love be the genuine variety, it must have wholehearted devotion. Genuine love requires that. We, we see that from the, the word choice that Paul uses here for serving. Now, let's add to this idea, the idea that genuine love also is bounded 
by right behavior. It's bounded, it's fenced in by, by right behavior. The, the characteristic that we're looking at is serving the Lord. Being a slave of the Lord. Being like a slave, working as a slave for the Lord. We've talked about the serving part, but, but let's consider the Lord part of, of this characteristic. Last week, as I mentioned at the outset today, we, we considered genuine love that, that must be fervent love. Fervent love. Now, fervency, as we talked about last week, fervency requires effort. We have to, to put energy into our love, must have fervent activity associated with it. But fervency, unless it is bounded by something, can, can quickly become destructive. Now, I'm sure we've all seen pictures of, of fans that, that spin in things like jet engines. They, they, they spin at a very fast fast speed. The fan blades that make up the fan, they, they rotate quickly. And as long as they're, they're bound to the hub, all is good. But if something flies in there and knocks one of those blades loose or one of the bolts that holds it together comes loose while it's spinning, drastic things happen quickly. It flies on, wrecks anything in its path. Well, fervency that's not bounded can work much like a, a fan spinning apart. It needs something to keep it constrained, and, and that something is the Lord. The Lord bounds love by, by defining what are righteous activities. And, and by contrast, the Lord defines what's unrighteous activities. What's the right things to do and the wrong things to do. Our fervent activities need to be the, the righteous kinds of activities for them to be genuine love. Our, our actions, our, our energies, they must align with what God has said is the right things to do. Our actions need to align with what God has stated is proper for those to bear his name. Now, I mentioned how I assume the parents were rightly proud of their children being baptized this morning. I'm not sure that would be the case, though, if one of the children had decided to cannonball into the tank this morning. Now, we might have chuckled because Pastor Aaron got splashed, and that would be a little amusing. But I think we would recognize that's not a right action. After all, the, the baptism reflects that we are united with the death of Christ. It, it's a serious thing that's being take place. We're picturing a... a, 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 a cosmic level event here where, where we are now united with the, the God of creation who gave himself on our behalf. Such a, 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 a picture, such a message is destroyed when we do something flippant like cannonballing into the baptistry. Part of what allowed the parents to, to have proper pride is that the actions of their children were bounded by right behavior. They, they responded correctly to the situation. Well, in a similar fashion, genuine love must be bounded by right behavior. We, we cannot disregard the, the Lord's command, commands no matter how fervent our actions are, no matter how much energy we put forth, no matter how much desire we might have. We cannot call it genuine love if it's not bounded by what God says is right. Genuine love is Christian love. So Christian love must align with Christ's commands. It also 
has to align with Christ's desires. Not just his commands, but, but his desires. Our behavior is not right if we're seeking to please ourselves with our efforts at love. Genuine love is always, as I said, others-focused, not self-focused. If the behavior is truly loving behavior, its concern is for others, not for self. Just a, a quick example. This, this last Friday was my wife and I's anniversary. We celebrated our anniversary. Say now I wanted to buy my wife Grace something for our anniversary. As many of you know, I love theology books. And I know that there are some great theological sets that, that I don't own. So I decide I'm going to buy Grace a set of theology books for our anniversary. Do you think she would have felt loved? Of course not. For her to feel love, I must express my love in a manner that is focused on her, that is pleasing to her. That's why Friday night we went out for a good meal instead of looking at theology books. For our love to be genuine, Christian love, it must be bounded not only by the things God says are right, but also by what the Lord loves it cannot be any old whim that, that happens come our way that, that we think would be a great idea. It has to be bounded by what he prefers, his preferences, not our own. Fortunately, the Lord has told us what he likes. We know he likes to bring glory to God the Father. We know he, he likes for us to not make way for temptation in our lives. He know, we know he likes for us to care for others, to encourage others, to comfort others, to help others. Things that, that fit in these kinds of categories compose genuine love. Things that fit in these categories can make up right behavior. They, they can be genuine love. Genuine love is bounded by right behavior. The, the fact that, that Paul gives this characteristic as serving the Lord, it indicates that, that this right behavior must bound our actions. And then as a, a third consideration this morning, we also need to recognize that genuine love is undertaken for the Lord. Is undertaken for the Lord. Serving the Lord. Those, those three words make the idea clear, don't they? Be a slave of the Lord. Genuine love is undertaken for the Lord. We, we cannot do things for our own personal interests and, and call it genuine love. Just as I said, giving Grace theology books for our anniversary would not have been loving. They would have been for me, not her. We cannot do things for our own personal interests and call it genuine love. But we also cannot do things solely even for the interests of others and call it genuine love. In, in every case... What we ultimately do, the things that we undertake for love, must ultimately be for the Lord, for our actions to be genuine love. If we do not do things for the Lord, ultimately, it's all for naught. Others may benefit from our actions, that, that's often the case. People do things that others benefit from, but unless the ultimate purpose that underlies every action is for the Lord... It's not genuine love. Of course, we, we cannot do anything for the Lord unless we know Him personally as our Savior. We rejoice that these three young people know Christ as Savior. That knowing Him as Savior, that's the basic starting point for doing things for Him. 
And we cannot truly know him as Lord unless we accept him as he's presented in his word. Our, our world tries to create all kinds of, of ideas that they call Jesus. But that's not Jesus. The only Jesus that, that can save us is the one that revealed himself through his word to us. Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God. He's the creator of the world. He, he's a member of the triune Godhead. From all eternity, he's been God. In fact, that's the only reason he could die for our sins is because he is the infinite God. He's the God who entered creation, the member of the Godhead that came and became the baby Jesus and then gave his life on the cross, demonstrating the ultimate example of love, dying for us so that we could be reconciled to God through faith. He did that so he could bring glory to God, so that we could receive the mercy of forgiveness and still have God's justice upheld because sin was punished on the cross. He gave his sinless life so that he could die as the perfect substitute for us. And then he rose from the grave in victory. Victory over sin and death. He, he offers substitutionary atonement. In other words, he offers a satisfactory payment for our sins to anyone who believes in him. All we have to do is accept by faith, that he died for us. And the moment we do that, we are declared righteous. Our fellowship with God that was ruptured by sin is restored. We cannot do anything for Jesus if we do not believe in Jesus. Let me ask you today, do you believe in Jesus? Is he your Savior? If not, talk to me when the service is over. Send me an email at the address that's on the screen this week. Let me take the time to show you what the Bible says, how the Bible reveals Jesus, and how you can have salvation in him, just like these children. It's, it's so simple, these three young people could understand what's needed. At the same time, it's so significant that your eternal destiny hangs in the balance. Don't shrug off any doubts that you might have. Contact me. Look for the answers that, that bring eternal hope through Christ. Now, assuming you're here this morning and you know Jesus as Savior, you have the chance to engage in genuine love. But it's not automatic. Genuine love requires that we examine our actions, that, that we ensure that what we are doing is for the Lord. We need to do this even if we are doing things that other people might call ministry. Did you know that you can teach Sunday school and fail to do so out of genuine love? If you're teaching for your own glory rather than the Lord's, you're not serving the Lord. You're just putting in time. If you're teaching out begrudging duty rather than joyful duty, you're not serving the Lord. You're just putting in time. There are countless ways that, that we can do things that look like ministry. They maybe even look like loving ministry because they're, they're done for others. But we're not actually producing genuine love through our efforts. Genuine love requires that we do all such ministry things because we want to see Christ magnified. 
that must be our ultimate goal for it to be genuine, love. Once Christ is the ultimate reason, then, assuming our actions are right, we can't do things wanting Christ to be magnified and violate his word at the same time, but assuming our actions are right, if we are doing things for him, then everything that we do becomes genuine love. Friend, let's not confuse fervency with genuine love. Let's not confuse effort with genuine love. Let's not confuse self-centered actions with genuine love. Let's not even confuse other-centered actions with genuine love. Genuine love must seek to ultimately magnify Christ. Let's recognize that only actions that are undertaken for the Lord are actions of genuine love. How are you doing with genuine love? Are you showing genuine love to others? Are you serving the Lord with your life? Are you, are you showing in your life your love for your Lord? It's an important question. Are you serving the Lord with your life or not? It's important because genuine love is connected with displaying the glory of our Savior. Let me challenge you. Examine your past week. Take some time. Make a mental list in your mind. List out all the things that you've done to, that you've done to show love to others. Create that list. Now, I hope it's not too hard to come up with something to put on your list. Hopefully, you've done a few things this week for others. But once you have the list, that's not enough. You need to evaluate it. Evaluate the list. Cross off anything that was not done with your wholehearted devotion. Cross off anything that was not right behavior. Right behavior is defined by God. And then, cross off anything that was not ultimately done for Christ. That you were not seeking His glory ultimately. Why did you ultimately do what you did? Was it ultimately for yourself? Was it ultimately for others? Or was it ultimately for Christ? It may take some work to work through your week, to examine your list, but, but it's an examination we must do if we're going to ensure that we are showing genuine love. Genuine love is undertaken for the Lord. We have to think things through with, with this understanding because the main idea that we should take away this morning when we leave is that genuine love for others magnifies our Savior. It magnifies our Savior. And that is why we are here. That is why we are on this earth. That is why the moment we accept Christ as Savior, we're not whisked away to heaven. Instead, God leaves us here for ongoing years so that we can magnify our Savior. We're here to joyfully magnify Christ. Genuine love for others does that. The reason that we're striving for genuine love is that it distinguishes us as Christians. Those who bear the name of Christ. Those who are seeking to, to magnify Him. For that reason, we must serve Christ with our love. Genuine love is undertaken for the Lord. It magnifies our Savior. We do it 
to others. Genuine love is done for others, but it magnifies our Savior. As I said, it's a joy to have seen these three children baptized this morning, to see them visibly profess their, their faith in, in Christ. They, they've used words to say they were confident of their salvation, and they've also dramatically depicted their union with Christ. And for that reason, their parents were rightly proud as their actions reflected upon the, the parents' teaching and the parents' love for Christ. Well, in a similar fashion this morning, we've seen that all of us need to get love right because our love for others connects to our magnification of Christ. There is a connection between our love and our Lord. Genuine love for others magnifies our Savior. For us to have genuine love this morning, we've considered that our love needs to include this characteristic of, of serving the Lord. We have to do all the other things we've looked at too, but we also must include this characteristic, serving the Lord. That, that means, one, it requires wholehearted devotion. Two, it's bounded by right behavior. And three, it's undertaken for the Lord. We must show genuine love as Christians. Genuine love for others magnifies our Savior. Let's pray. Father, again, we've looked into your word and we've seen more that you've revealed about what genuine love requires of us. The characteristics that must be there. We thank you for inspiring your apostle to give us this list. And I pray now that as we examine it that we would not just examine the list you've given us, but we would not naturally examine ourselves too. May we examine ourselves to ensure that we are displaying genuine love with our lives. That we are men and women that are reflecting our Savior to the world around us. That what we do for others reflects on Christ. Father, I pray if there is someone here today that does not know Jesus as Savior, that you might draw that person to yourself in saving faith that they today would come to know Jesus so that they can have the joy of, of knowing Christ and begin to magnify him with their life as well. Father, our desire is to magnify our Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.